This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I'm starting to feel a little bit better about this game on Sunday in Kansas City. Tom, I don't don't do this to yourself. Please Please don't do it it to yourself. I'm going to do it, Jacob. I'm going to jump in cannonball style. Do you remember that one vine? It's like, don't do it. Like, she ain't going to do it. I'm going to do it. Do it for the vine. I think the Steelers probably still lose this game in Kansas City, but with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill finding themselves on the COVID list, things are getting a little spicy now as far as I'm concerned. This game ain't as much of a lock for the Chiefs as it once was in my mind. What do you do when you take Kelsey and Hill potentially out of the lineup? You take 50% of Patrick Mahomes' targets away, and 50% of his touchdowns away. Is it surprising to you that that number only goes up to 50%? That feels low to Surprisingly, me. yes, because that's still an egregious amount for just two guys of to Of course it up. is, but we know how that offense works, and it still feels low. Like the fact that so many carries have been split between Williams and Clyde Edwards-Solaire because of injuries— I don't really know who's the de facto number two guy as a wide receiver behind Hill. Is it Michael Hardman? There's been a lot of revolving pieces. That's why that number feels so low to me. Well, the real number two guy behind Hill is Kelsey. Is Kelsey? It's stupid. Well, is it is is isn't Hill the number two guy essentially? Ooh. Well, Hill's the leading receiver okay, as well, far as targets and receptions and uh, yardage is concerned. That's even that's kind of surprising too. Tom. It's one A and one B between. Yeah, those I'd guys, say so. Though. And we need. Here on the Steelers Standard, let's get something straight right off the jump. We're not going to refer to Travis Kelsey as a tight end in this in these shows. He isn't. He's a wide receiver. He's not. He's probably the best pass-catching tight end in NFL history. <laughs> Is he a top-five wide receiver? Of all time? No, and, but yeah. like right now. Oh, right now? Wide, yeah. Wide receiver. So. Like, I'm yeah. including Jefferson. Pass-catcher? Yes. Top five? Yes. Especially after last week when he single-handedly won that game for the Chiefs against the Chargers. He yes. single-handedly won that game, and Tyreek Hill dropped 100 on him as well. He's a top-five receiver, too, in my mind. This and what's Patrick Mahomes, a top-three quarterback? The best quarterback, probably. Yeah. It's two, either him, A-Rod, or maybe Brady. But, Brady, after last uh, week, Brady's he really can't give it to you. Yeah. But, I don't know if he's fading. He just can't beat the Chiefs in the regular season. Saints. Or the Saints, sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, he, they really are their boogie, the Buccaneers' boogeyman since he's moved on there. Um, Except for when it really matters in the playoffs. <laughs> Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, which one of those guys do you fear more, though? Is it Kelsey? Is it Hill? We were doing the advanced scout last night with Matt Williamson, and he said he doesn't know if Tyreek Hill's the best receiver in the NFL, but he certainly is the most explosive receiver in the NFL. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson. Those guys obviously have their own explosiveness to them, but... It's just a different level when Tyreek Hill hits that gear. But on the other hand, Travis Kelsey's like a polar bear running down the middle of the field. I mean, big, strong, fast. He doesn't go down easy. He's got great hands. He's athletic. He can make you miss. He can he can get you with the power move. He can get you with the finesse move. He's got agility. I mean, I honestly think, even though Tyreek Hill has more yardage, has more targets, I think I fear Kelsey more than Hill in this offense. Absolutely, and especially when you consider Actually, the matchup. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. With looking it through my Steelers lenses too, oh boy, Joe Schobert and Devin Bush, buckle up if Travis Kelsey clears COVID and gets out there. Of uh, Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about the, the glaring issue of this defense being Joe Schobert and Devin Bush, 
and you put them up against the best mid-level and midfield attacker on offense in the in the NFL over the past what decade maybe in Travis Kelsey and this is by far your worst season of both of your careers that's a matchup for disaster that that is going to be a nightmare scenario for Devin Bush and Joe Schobert so I don't care how good Travis Kelsey is how quick he can be and how reliant his hands are I'm by far more afraid of what Travis Kelsey is going to do against this team if he's cleared the COVID protocols. This is the average game for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill since coming into the NFL. Kelsey has played 92 games. Over that stretch, he averages eight targets per game. He gets six catches per game. He gets 78 receiving yards per game, and he's just under half a receiving touchdown per game played. He's only missed two games in the last six seasons as well. So Kelsey is incredibly reliable. If you're doing the same thing for Tyreek Hill over I'd five to, years. I'd love to know how many games he's missed because I don't think it's, it's not much any either. more than two. 72 games total in Tyreek Hill's career over the past five years. On average, 8.5 targets per game right around Kelsey. 5.7 balls caught per game right around Kelsey. Tyreek Hill averages 83 yards per game. 83 yards per game, Jacob. You're a fantasy nut. Those receptions and those yardage, that's at least 15 points right off the bat for you. Right off the bat. Without a touchdown. Without scoring a touchdown. And, and how often does he score touchdowns? 0.69 per time. Like, nice. He averages 0.69 receiving touchdowns every time he steps on the field. Like, that's so almost more, a touchdown that's, per that's game. That's more often than not he's, he's scoring, scoring a, touchdown. a touchdown. Yeah. And that number, when you think about it, you think, okay, but he's not scoring a touchdown. 70% of the that time. That number, for most people, is probably, <clears throat> excuse me, in the point two range, no point question. three range. Well, Kelsey's under point five, and that's still high for him. So like that that seems low for him though, doesn't it? I think the reason why it's low is because this guy Tyree Kills taking is 0. taking 6, away probably a lot of touchdowns that could go in Kelsey's way. That's a great point, but I would say for most good receivers, not elite, but good top ten, top fifteen receivers, that number probably falls in the point three, point four range. Where it's you're not gonna it's you're likely not to score a touchdown. It's not just that Tyreek Hill is likely to score a touchdown, he's likely to burn you more than one time per game in the end zone. That's what scares me more than these guys being elite route runners, great pass catchers. It's the after the catch stuff with both Kelsey and Hill, but Hill especially. I mean, you can't Is it is it Hill after or before that scares you more? Because he gets open on such I mean, you can't even call it a route tree. I mean, on a fly route, obviously he's going to the end zone. I don't know if he has a real route tree just because so often do you just see him waiting almost like a punt returner, having that ball just come into his chest. I think, And him, then he is also dangerous after the catch with his speed and his, his agility once he makes that catch. I think he and Mahomes are really good at improvising together. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we saw that a lot here in Pittsburgh with A.B. and Ben. Mahomes scrambles a lot. He gets out of trouble a lot in the pocket, and I think Hill has adapted his game to seeing that. In whatever route he was running, he breaks it off and just finds open field for his quarterback. Uh, I'm a little bit more worried about the yards after the catch, to be honest, because what have the Steelers struggled with a lot this year? Tackling. And, yes, if he beats you on a fly route, good luck. You're you're toast. He's going Mm -hmm. to the end zone. He's gone. But, you know, a slant route or a curl route where he's going to get open and catch the ball for 10 yards... I want you to put him in the dirt because if the first defender misses, that's when it's 20, 15, 20, that's an 25 extra, extra that's yards. That's an extra, yeah. Easy for him. So I worry about Hill because of the tackling problems that the Steelers have had. Put Kelsey in the same exact boat because 
it ain't exactly like he's the easiest guy to bring down. I mean, you can have a, a full no, on think... square tackle and Kelsey's just gonna shrug shrug you off and go. You had asked which is scarier to you, Kelsey or 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 Tyreek after the catch. I think Tyreek is equally dangerous before and after, but I think Kelsey's game is at its best after the catch. How many times do you watch the Chiefs and just see third and fifteen or third and ten? And it doesn't matter. And it looks like they have Mahomes dead to right. He's in the pocket for like four seconds sure. with the ball trying to scramble, and Kelsey gets open right in the middle. It's always right in the middle. And he of the gets field, the first down, and it's easy. And he if he gets tackled right after the catch, easy first down because he's always got a nose for those sticks. He always knows where to put himself. It's to also get the first. too. I mean, you and then there was the Chargers game where he catches that ball and just blows by everybody. He to just the end zone. jukes that. Tar- I don't know who that guy was. Uh, I. I I, I literally cannot tell there you the three name. guys that missed it. But the one, the first guy initially, just, it was like a basketball play where he just got completely juked out of a dribble. And then it's impressive, as he's running towards the end zone, the safeties can't catch him. No. Because he's so he's fast. He's too fast. He even starts, you know, he's this he big guy. selling with the ball halfway into the end he's zone. He's this 200-plus-pound guy, and he's still faster than these safeties who are who model their game or who have to make a big factor of their game based off of speed alone. I got a confession to make, too. He's like one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. He's that, my favorite the player into the end zone. if he's on my fantasy team, for sure. Okay, I don't give a crap <laughs> about your fantasy team. He is just, I like how much well, fun. He burned me last week. He, or this week. People, Steelers fans are going to be like, oh, oh, you like Kelsey because he celebrates in the end zone. And you like Kelsey because he does all the, the dancing and gyrating. Well, do you know why he does that? It's because he's the best at what he does. Exactly. And he's not even the best at what he does. He's the best across two positions entirely. And he's not the type of guy that when the clock's running, he's going to do he's gonna celebrate. celebration. No, he knows how to play football. He knows when clock management is important. He knows even though it's a big third down and it's all his individual effort that resulted in a first down, he's still going to run back to the line of scrimmage and put that ball and down immediately. On Thursday night last week, I was laughing at the end when he shuffled the ball around into the end zone then screamed ah into the camera and then did the like C with the half C with his he arms absolutely and broke deserves it. that. I was pumped up and I'm the, I had no dog in the race. No. Both teams needed to lose for the Steelers' wild card chances. Honestly, the Chiefs were a better team to win because the Chargers were already down right. a game. To we, them. we expect the Chiefs to win that division. And it just pumped me up, man. But we just painted this picture about how devastating those two guys are, and they might not play. So that's really good news for the Steelers fans to at least try to Hold out hope for Sunday that they won't play. There's 13 players on the COVID list right now as we sit here in this booth doing this podcast right now. That number could go up. That number could go down. I really hope it goes nowhere but down or stays the same, Jacob, because I do not want this game to be rescheduled or moved. Now that the NFL has set that precedent and they're kind of creeping up, 13's a lot. It's not Brown's level where it was Mm -hmm. like 22 guys. But if you're trending towards that direction and the precedent has been set, I really worry that they're going to bump this game to maybe a Monday or a Tuesday, and that's really BS. Just because the it's Chiefs horrible. have a lot of really good players yeah. out, I mean, and you're just giving them that benefit to to get those if guys they move back. the game to Monday or Tuesday, I bet Kelsey or Hill or both are make back it back for sure. Mm-hmm. I think they might make it back by Sunday with the relaxed protocols, and I think it's both possible. they're both vaccinated. I think the problem is though for the Chiefs is that it's not as widespread. Like it's not hitting like the coaching staff as much as it hit. Cleveland, yeah, pushing that their game back to, to Monday, which was completely unnecessary because I think all but one guy, I think it was uh, uh, Josh Hill in the secondary who made it back, and that was it. I mean, let's be honest, 
as long as number 15's healthy, they ha- they should play. I mean, absolutely. He's the I biggest mean, advantage any team can get. That that has to be a big contributor factor as to why the Cleveland Browns didn't play or they they advocated so hard not to play on Saturday because they weren't with just without Baker, but they were without Baker and Case Keenum. Uh and of course coach uh head coach Kevin Stefanski. But I think you're right. I think it only matters if if Patrick Mahomes is there. I do have a question for you, Tom. Oh, ask it, buddy. How good are we? How high are we on Patrick Mahomes if Travis Kelsey is in New Orleans and Tyreek Hill is in Philadelphia? Pretty pretty high. I bet that it's not the gaudy numbers that we see right now. I bet we still think he's a phenomenal quarterback. Does I bet he, he make it to the Super Bowl and win it without them? Um. I don't know, but I think that's a pretty unfair question because you need really good players to yeah, win Super right. Bowls. I mean, it's not like you can just be LeBron James. That's the- kind of like the frustrating thing is how did they get so lucky? How did they get Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, it was good and drafting Tyree man? Hill. Tyree Kill I think was the fifth round pick. Travis Kelsey was a third round pick. I mean, it's not like these guys were all you and tanked forever. We and know got number Chicago one absolutely bleeped the bed by going with uh, Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell over, Trubisky. Over I mean, they they went with Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick, and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah, that was a big swing and a miss from the Chicago Bears there. Um, and when you consider how poorly. Uh, Justin Fields played on Monday night against the Vikings. I think it's a testament to their front office how good of an organization the Chiefs are. The Chiefs, yeah. Because they were able to find that talent later in drafts and build around it. And then you hit on the big one in Mahomes. And like, it, it always feels good. Doesn't that make you mad at the Jets and the Lions and the Browns of the world? They get number one pick after number one pick after number one pick, multiple first round picks because they're always making trades to acquire and you draft never capital. Miss. And or you, you never miss. You never hit you on never the Kelsey's hit. or the Hills. These guys all fall to the third and fifth round. Now, right, other teams the, pass them go too. To, right, but they don't end up on the Chiefs. They don't end up on the Jaguars. Right. They don't end up on the Texans. They end up on the good teams. They end up on good teams. And I think that's a testament to good ownership and good front offices. Dealers are the same bad. way. They find diamonds in the rough right. all the time. Right. And that's why you're exactly right. These really good established franchises know how to scout in the later and rounds. they can draft. They know what yeah, to look for. Exactly. And sometimes they don't hit, but at least they know. It's not a hey, big deal. That guy's got some of the signs that he might break out. It's not as big of a deal because. Those franchises, they're most likely hitting in the first and second rounds. Those guys that they take in those first two rounds, they're most likely going to be on the team for the foreseeable future. So it's not the end of the world when you miss on a third and fifth round pick. Now, we got to talk about replacing Kelsey and Hill because there is the potential that they won't be there. Uh, Some candidates at the wide receiver spot, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and McCole Hardman. I I mean, those are the three guys you're most likely going to see if those two are out. Hardman is the team's third leading receiver. He's a healthy 500 yards plus behind Kelsey, who's number two as far as receiving yards is concerned. And he's a even wider gulf between him and Hill, who is the team's leading receiver as far as yardage is concerned. I mean, they throw 50 touchdowns this year through the air and 13 on the ground. With that receiving core that they might potentially have, though, is this the week that the Chiefs kind of buck their identity and go with a run first kind of style a, a run first offense Clyde Edwards Elaire had 50 of the 71 snaps that they played last week potentially that could help them out this week as Steelers obviously aren't great against the run that's no secret there so I'm just wondering maybe this is a week where Andy Reid sits back and says I know I don't like to go against what we do well I, I don't really care what the opposing team does I know what our identity is but with the moving pieces and the potential um, being without Hill and Kelsey, 
maybe Edwards Elaire gets a pretty healthy workload. Maybe Damian Williams gets a pretty healthy workload this week because the matchup is conducive to it and you're depleted massively in your passing game. Right. If Hill and Kelsey aren't there, then I think your next two best offensive weapons are Williams and Edward Tolaire. I don't know which one is better, to be honest, because with Edward Tolaire going down in like week three, week four-ish, Williams actually had a pretty good stretch of weeks there. And then once once Edward Tolaire came back, he was just as good as he was when he left. Now, it's going to be hard, though, because you can't just win. Now, take that with a grain of salt because you're going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers who have the worst run defense in the league. If I, I, I'd be shocked if they're anything but 32 or 31 just based off these last five weeks alone. But I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be comfortable just saying, I want my running backs leading this game. That's I think I think he's going to want the ball in his hands. He's going to say to himself, I'm a big enough playmaker. Yes, I'm going to miss my boys, Kelsey and Hill. But it's not gonna matter. It's not. It's not to the extent where I'm just gonna say, "Okay, it's not my game anymore." I'll hand the ball off, sixty percent of the time, and throw forty percent of the time. I don't expect that to be what what we see unfold on Sunday. I agree. I tend to agree with you, just because, again, number fifteen, and we've kind of pushed him off a little bit because of the COVID news here. But, I mean, we talked about how much we fear Kelsey. We talked about how much we fear Hill. Hill. The straw that stirs the drink is obviously Patrick Mahomes. I mean, of course, Hill and Kelsey. Those guys, Hill and Kelsey with Alex Smith, right? We, well, they I don't were know. good. They, they were, were really not good. This good. No, they weren't this good, but they were also much younger when Alex Smith was there. When Alex Smith was there, I remember the uh, playoff game in Kansas City. Uh, it was Tyreek Hill's rookie season, and it was his rookie season. It was his breakout season. This guy just was a firecracker as soon as he came into the league. But Travis Kelsey had, has been in the league since, what, 2012, 2013, something like that. So he had been around, and I think at that point he had established himself as one of the better tight ends uh, in the league, probably number two only behind Gronk at the time. But I remember that playoff game, Steelers in Kansas City, Alex Smith as the quarterback, and every time Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey had the ball, you were still really scared because – you knew who these guys were. And like I said, Tyreek Hill was only a rookie, but it didn't matter. He was that good coming out of the gates of, of his um, NFL career. And the Steelers did a good job of containing both. But now here we are, I think five years after that playoff game, and they are, they're far better than they were at that point early on in their careers. And it only helps the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes throwing them the ball. By the way, the Steelers are 31st. In the NFL rush defense. I don't know. Is 32nd the Chargers? The Chargers are 29. The Texans are Mm. 32nd. Well, the Chargers would probably be 31st, 30th, had they not gone up against the Steelers, who completely neglected to run the ball against them in that Sunday night football game. The Texans give up 145 on the ground. The Steelers give up 143.9. They're closing in fast on the Houston Texans as far as that number is concerned. Could the Steelers potentially be the 32nd rushing offense in 2020 and then in 2021 be the 32nd rushing defense? What is going like that? First of all, before I say this, let me couch it by saying they're seven, six, and one. So it's not like they're abysmal. But what a complete heel turn from this franchise. Stout against the run historically, always a ground and pound kind of football team. Past two years, completely gone away from that identity. 
They haven't been able to run the ball, and they cannot stop the run. Uh, but we're talking about Mahomes, and you're going to have to stop him in the pass. Obviously, his career numbers, Jacob, 60 games in the NFL. He averages 303 yards per game through the air. 300 yards per game. That's what he gets when he wakes up in the morning and just puts on his cleats and steps out onto the field. Automatically 300 yards. And 2.4 passing touchdowns per game when Mahomes steps on the field. His career touchdown-to-interception ratio is 144 to 37, and 13 of those 37 have come this season. Career high for him. He's got 30 touchdowns, though, to counteract that 13 INTs. He's got 65% of his passes and being let's completed. And not, let's not forget, a lot of those interceptions came on the early end of the season. Yeah, Remember, he had entered this season without throwing a single September interception. And I think he threw like four or something, and then he threw a couple more in October, and it's really slowed down once we got into November and now December football. And honestly, if this is his bad year... It's still a great it's year. It's still a top 10 year for any quarterback. And in like NFL. I said, he 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 has only improved as the season gone on, has gone on along with the rest of the team. So those numbers I I would love to isolate by the by season's end, September and October versus November, December, January because I bet you they're just two different tales of a season. Absolutely, and that's on the defensive side too, which I'll get to in just a minute. Of course, yeah. Uh one last thing I want to touch on on the offense, though. You know, Pittsburgh, you're very familiar with building an offensive line on the fly and a lot of new interchanging pieces. It's been a hot-button issue for Steelers talk all year long. The Chiefs were kind of in the same boat. They really rebuilt a lot of that offensive line through trades, through free agency, and through a draft pick of the center, Creed Humphrey, who's playing really well right now. Who the Steelers uh, passed on. The difference is here, though, the Chiefs' offensive line is improving as the season goes on. And Whereas what they do the most in Kansas City is pass, so you want your pass protection to be well. They only allow 1.8 sacks per game. That's the sixth best in the NFL. So Far what, less than the Steelers. What allow. they need to do, they're doing incredibly well. Their run block win rate is actually pretty high too for a team that doesn't run the ball particularly much. So the Chiefs and the Steelers might be the two franchises that have the most changeover on their offensive line year to year this year, but the However, Chiefs are having a far better go of it than the Steelers are. And I I think you only can point to talent, right? I Unfortunately, think, yes. I think that I think the Chiefs, the, I think the Chiefs the right got notes. very lucky. I, I think I don't want to take away anything from their coaching staff because I'm sure that helped contribute to the success of this line. But, yeah, I mean, the talent there just is clearly better than the talent here in Pittsburgh. On the and de- that's a big shame because we were talking ourselves up all throughout the offseason saying, Kevin Dawson's going to elevate his game to a Pro Bowl level. And Kendrick Green's going to be really good as the center, as as the replacement for Marquise Pouncey. Can't snap, can't snap the ball at all. Zach Banner's going to be great in the run game. Can't help stay healthy. No. And Dotson and, the same and, thing. And then even when he is healthy, he's not even they used. They don't use him, which means that they're not seeing what they need to out no. of him when he's practicing. So, yeah, it's been a disappointment on the offensive line. Again, the, the only half-glass fool thing I would say is they're super young and – a full offseason together might be conducive for them. Or, you know, picking another piece up here or another piece up there just to kind of solidify things. So I don't think it's dire straits just yet on the offensive line because there is still potential there. Yeah, I don't think it is yet. But it's certainly but... not up to where it really yeah. needs to be, especially for a 39-year-old quarterback. I mean, he's just been getting his butt kicked the past two weeks. Well, what are you more concerned over? The fact that Ben is just being 
hit and hit and hit time after time in his potentially last season with the Steelers at this old age of 39. He'll be 40 by the time the next season starts if he does play again. Or next season when you have a much younger quarterback who could easily be hit more often than Ben is just because of his lack of pocket awareness compared to Ben, if the offensive line doesn't improve at all, frustration for a young quarterback is is completely detrimental. Is it can make or break your season just because when you when you're used to a decent offensive line in your college game and you come to the NFL and the game's a lot faster and your offensive line isn't up to par as it was when you were in college, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to make errors because of it. No question about it. One little note I want to have on the defense before wrapping up this episode. It's been a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde act from them this season. First seven games, they gave up 29 points per game. That would have been that was the worst in the NFL for a good stretch. However, the Chiefs have won seven straight NFL football games. In those seven games, the average giving up 13.3 points per game. By far the best defense as far as that's concerned. And really, what else is there to be concerned about when you're playing defense but points allowed? That has been the catalyst for their turnaround. And that 13.3, a little inflated because the Chargers dropped 28 on them last week sure. in that overtime matchup. <clears throat> Before that 28, is they like had 11? given up 9 points three oh straight my gosh. games. They oh, went okay, 9 okay. points, 9 points, 9 points. It was insanity, that kind of defense. And I'm not really going to blame them for the Chargers putting up 28 points. It's a really, Chargers good, have a good, it's a really offense. good offense you're going on. And they against. were healthy at the time, too. That was before Austin Eckler went down and now is dealing with COVID. It's a really good offense. I mean, you still won that game. Like no Your question. offense has now improved or gotten back to what it does best to the point where if your defense has a bad day, it's okay because you still have, as good as the Chargers offense can be, you still have the best offense in the in the NFL, and you're capable of outscoring 28 points. They don't sack the quarterback particularly well. 1.7 sacks per game, that's 28th in the NFL. And the 24 sacks that they do have, Chris Jones, the phenomenal defensive tackle who I think is the best player on this defense, he has seven of those 24 tackles. No other Chief has more than three sacks, and the Chiefs failed to sack Herbert last week with Jones on the COVID list. Chris Jones is still on the COVID list, um, but again, he missed last week's game, so I think the thought process is he'll probably be able to be activated for Sunday against the Steelers, but you never know. The one thing they do really well, though, is they have takeaways galore. 25 takeaways is the fifth most in the NFL. 14 interceptions, that's the eighth most. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, has three of them to lead the way, but nine other guys have at least one interception for the Chiefs, so they spread the wealth out there. And they punch the ball out and get it on the ground. They have the third most fumbles in the NFL or forced fumbles that are recovered in the NFL with 11 of those. So really got to preach ball security against this team because that's really the the bread and butter for them, I think, is forcing those turnovers. Yeah, I I completely agree. And Tom, I just don't know which I'm more afraid of is the fact that this offense has elevated its game back to the standard of which it set itself for the past three or four years since they started making it to the AC Championship game at the very minimum every year. Or this defense, which I think, Tom, is the best defense we've seen out of this Kansas City team in the Patrick Mahomes era since Patrick, scary Patrick Mahomes era has started. That is a scary prospect to think. I mean, we, we remember after the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay saying there were two outlying issues. Uh, there were two outlying reasons as to why the Chiefs lost. It was the offensive line, which couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes, 
and it was the defense which could not stop Tom Brady. Well, guess what? The offensive line is protecting Patrick Mahomes better than it ever did last year, even before the Super Bowl. And the defense, as I said, is playing its best football since Patrick Mahomes took the starting job for the Kansas City Chiefs. This may, this very may well be the best Chiefs team we've seen since Patrick Mahomes took over the starting job. And it has no reason to do with Patrick Mahomes. It has everything to do with the surrounding pieces to him. We already know how good Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are. We just talked about that. But the offensive line and the defense, led by Chris Jones, who you just mentioned, oh my gosh, I don't care that they're not forcing turnovers as, as, as highly as they could be as other teams are. They're still not breaking. As you said, 13 points allowed per game um, since, what, October 31st or October? Seven straight games. Yeah. However long that streak lasts, or, uh, extends from. Two months. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, 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 you know, we talk about teams having a tale of two seasons. We wouldn't be talking this highly of the, of the Chiefs had it been the first seven weeks they started out like this, and then the, the next seven weeks, how they started, they, I think they began three and four, really bad defense. Patrick Mahomes couldn't, uh, couldn't stop turning the ball over. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about good, great football in November and December football, and that's what makes me really scared of them. Steelers certainly have their work cut out for them at Arrowhead on Sunday at 425. Hopefully they can pull out a big upset against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you guys next time.